So here we are once again, the Kryptonolds on Substack. I am your humble host, Mr. Happy Harry Hardon, a.k.a. Ray Ramos, coming at you again to talk about stuff and things. Usually I end up talking about paranormal events that have occurred in my life and, uh, you know, the stuff, stuff like that. So I, I think we'll continue that, that uh, discussion. Uh, it seems to be interesting. Everyone seems to enjoy it. And it also reveals a little bit about my past, things that I've gone through and, you know, what I've witnessed and experienced. As always, I appreciate all of you guys that subscribe to the Substack, that subscribe to the TikTok. Keep keep it coming. Uh, TikTok just crossed over into 11,000 followers, so I do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, Twitter, all that stuff is uh, getting up there as far as followers are concerned, too. So every little bit helps all of you guys you know, listening to our stuff, listening to my rants and raves. Really, really puts a smile on my face. What's been in the news lately? Man, man, exactly. The dog man. The dog man has been in the news lately. Everybody's been talking about this thing that uh, appeared in Amarillo in the zoo, outside the zoo of Amarillo. Some little funny looking thing that looks like a little dog man just uh, walking around on two legs. I've always been fascinated with cryptids, as you all know. I mean, the cryptonodes sprung from my fascination with the paranormal and cryptids. And uh, this is uh, no less something that's very, very interesting to me. Everybody's scrambling right now to figure out what it is. What can it be? What is this thing that was captured on a security camera outside the zoo in Amarillo? It looks like a little man dog, like a little dog man. I mean, I don't want to say man dog to offend the man dog, the actual man dog, uh, but the, the actual dog man. Legend has it that these things are out there in the wild, kind of like Bigfoot. As of late, um, it seems that the Dogman has been getting a lot of traction in the world of cryptozoology. A lot of people have seen it or have captured it on video, or some even claim that they found dead uh, Dogman out there. To me, the uh, Dogman is an oddity. It's, um, it's something that I've studied a bit as well. And uh, it, it, to, it, from what I've learned, from what I've gathered, it springs from the Sasquatch uh, type. It's a sub-type of uh, Bigfoot, of Sasquatch, if you can believe that. From my research, the Dogman is a feral version of Bigfoot, of a Sasquatch. And uh, the reason that people call it a Dogman is because it, uh, it seems more feral. Like, of course, I just said that. But uh, canine... Um, Apparently, according to uh, to eyewitness reports and people that have uh, followed this this creature, the uh, the lips, the mouth, the lips around the teeth have receded back to a point where a great portion of its teeth are showing, and it gives it a very canid type look to uh, to its face. The snout is also a bit elongated, but not to the point that you would uh, refer to it as a wolf or a werewolf, but enough for it to look very dog-like. The ears also protrude a bit up and back, giving it that dog look, you know, the dog-man look. Um, these things hunt in packs, apparently. They smell really, really bad, worse than Bigfoot. They are actually adversaries of the Sasquatch. They fight for uh, the right to hunt in, their, in the, the areas that both of them occupy. One of them, of course, always wanting to be the dominant species. The dogmen are cannibals. They eat each other. They eat meat. They eat other Sasquatch. Any sort of uh, wildlife that they come upon, 
and of course the unlucky human now and again. And the reason that I'm explaining all of this because I've had an encounter, I guess you could say, with a dogman type character. Not the, the, the man dog, mind you. That's for another time and another story because it's a very completely different uh, cryptid, a different being when we're talking about man dog. No, we're talking about the dog man or dog men. And this phenomenon, like I said, has been getting a lot of traction in, in the recent years. Uh, it originated in Michigan. The Michigan Dogman was the first uh, sighting on Bray Road. The Beast of Bray Road is uh, what it's been referred to. Out there is a lot of woods, a lot of wooded areas, <clears throat> a lot of uh, Bigfoot activity. And uh, these Dogmen have been popping up everywhere. They've been scaring people. They've been eating pets. They've been eating each other, apparently, too. Um, they dart out into the, the road when people are driving. And uh, these locales are very isolated. Some of these towns up in Michigan are few and far between. And that's where the real scary part of this comes into play. Because you don't know what's in those woods. People haven't been in those woods, so you wouldn't know what's in them. And uh, that's where the dogman likes to live. There were some stories that I heard that these things are supernatural, that uh, they're actually demons taking the form of uh, these dog-like creatures, the seraphims, uh, if you will, nephilims, I guess you could say as well. Um, these are things that uh, people believe in. And let me backtrack, not the seraphim, the nephilim. The nephilim is what people seem to associate these things with. Legend has it that angels came down to earth and had uh, sex with everything that they could find. You know, all that they could get their angel hands on. And uh, they had sex with a lot of beasts. And uh, these offspring that uh, angels and beasts had were the Nephilim. And these are children of, uh, of the Nephilim. These are children of these, uh, I guess, mutations, these uh, hybrids of angel and beast and an animal and that's why they look the way they do they're malformed they don't look human uh, they don't look anything at all like you would want to encounter at any time which brings up a very good point as far as it being a supernatural creature in this area of the country growing up of course we have the desert and the desert is our um forest our woods i guess you could say the wasteland of uh, no life but just an arid sort of climate with no water and it springs forth a lot of legends and a lot of myths the native americans of the area have their myths as well and uh similar to the skinwalkers the uh the area here is akin to witches or brujos or brujas um the uh the word is nawal nawal and that is something that is very, very scary to a lot of people here. And growing up, I used to, like I said, I was very much into the occult, very much into the paranormal. And I did a lot of investigation, uh, research into my own background, where I came from, you know, what type of stuff was uh, my ancestors into, were my ancestors into. And this Nagual thing just keeps popping up over and over and over again. And these brujos, these witches, had the ability to shapeshift into different animals. They could shapeshift into different people. Like I said, very much like a skinwalker, they were evil witches. Um, brujos, brujas, whatever you want to call them. 
the curandero, the shaman of the village, was the one that would heal, whilst the brujo was the one that would keep the knowledge of the sacred magic, the magic that not everyone was privy to. The curandero had an idea because the curandero would uh, have the ability to help the village and help his people heal and uh, get over maladies. But the brujo, that's where you wanted, or that's rather where you went if you wanted to change things in your life or change aspects of uh, your reality. Brujos are very dangerous because they have that ability to change reality. And uh, when dealing with them, you have to be very, very careful. The favorite uh, shapeshift, I guess you could say, of the brujos or brujas would uh, be the lechuzas. And uh, those are always very much associated with witches in this area of the country. If you ever saw a lechuza, which is an owl, if you want to look it up, or a tecolote. And tecolote has its roots in uh, the Aztec uh, language in Nahual. And those things, those animals are very sacred because they're very mysterious. They only come out of a at night. They have eyes that are bigger than regular and they can look deeply into your soul. You know, we could get into that as well. So tecolotes, lechuzas, those type of animals, the owls, were very, very sacred to witches, to brujos and brujas. And uh, that's what they were assumed to shapeshift into. Not only that, but of course... Uh, animals that were very uh, native to the area, such as dogs and chickens and snakes and um, wolves, uh, things like that, bats, all this stuff would come into play when uh, brujos would shapeshift, when they would, uh, the naguales would shapeshift. Which brings us to the part of the story where I have some sort of knowledge into these, uh, these things, this craziness. Um, so, of course, you know, we'll go into that story and I'll tell my tale uh, about, uh, you know, the dog man in my life. <laughs> it was um, a long time ago and I was very, very young and dumb, of course, experiencing and experimenting with the occult. And um, once again, before we get into it, uh, viewer discretion is advised, listener discretion is advised. The things that I talk about are things that I have experienced and uh, experienced them firsthand. So I did see these things with my own eyes. I did hear and feel and taste and touch and all the senses um, with uh, these uh, scenarios, with the stuff that uh, happened to me. So listener discretion advised. If, uh, if you don't think this is real, um, trust me, it is. And it's very, very scary. So back in the day, of course, uh, I was very artistic, very creative. I was a poet. And uh, I would gravitate to like-minded people. But at the same time, I was into very heavily into the occult and paranormal. And uh, that was back before there was internet, back before there was easy access to information. And everything was a hunt. Everything was a hunt and everything was a discovery. To be able to go into libraries, bookstores, and uh, learn things from there were, was one thing. But to actually be able to learn it from people who were practicing certain aspects of the occult, that was a whole different story. After the awakening I had about uh, you know my background as far as my family being involved in the occult, I decided to strike out on my own and see what I could find out for myself. 
And like I said, I would gravitate it to like-minded people, poets, uh, writers, people who are free thinkers. And those are the people that were my tribe. Those are the people that I met and became great, great friends with. Um, of course, sadly, friends uh, drift away from each other uh, over the years. And not all of the friends that I met during that time have remained in my life, which is very sad to say. And like I said, the like-mindedness was there. These guys and gals were also into the occult. And um, it was very interesting and refreshing to have these long conversations with people who wanted to know more about stuff that I wanted to know more about as well. During this time, I had a girlfriend. Can't really remember who she was. But uh, there was a time when she was in high school and I was already in college. And I would go back to high school and visit. And uh, during that time, there was this one guy there's one cat that was a little bit older he was working there he wasn't actually a student he was a i guess a mentor you could say so already right there freaking red flags left and right and i knew the guy pass you know in passing i knew who he was because of certain circles of friends that i had outside of uh, my academic studies and i won't mention his name i'll just call him malik for uh, you know for shits and giggles his name is malik and my girlfriend at the time was in some sort of organization after school where they would help kids get tutored. And uh, Malik was uh, the supervisor. He was working there at the school uh, through some other organization outside of the school and mentoring these kids and helping them uh, you know, with tutoring and things that, uh, that they needed to learn or that they had uh, trouble with. My girlfriend was in this uh, group and Malik was her, I guess, a supervisor, whatever you want to call it, and Malik started taking an interest in her, and it really kind of bothered me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was out of high school, she was still in high school, but um, come on, man, you know, if you're going to get your kicks uh, from coming in from out of high school, like somewhere outside, and try to pick up girls, and I'll tell you this, I was with her when I was in high school, so it was freshly out of high school, I was still with her. But uh, this guy, you know, he was an older cat, you know, I would say at least um, like in his mid-twenties. So the guy, you know, would hit on her, would talk to her, and I really didn't like it. And, you know, my machista side came out, and uh, I marked my territory, so to speak. Uh, one day I walked in uh, to, to visit her, and uh, he was like just all over her. He was uh, leaning into her, he was putting his hands on her, and I just wasn't having it. And I had met this guy previously through poet, uh, I guess, events, poetic events, where he had recited poetry in English and Spanish. Um, and not for nothing, but the guy wasn't that good, okay? He was very uh, uh, tepid. I like that word. Let's use tepid. Every time I read, people would uh, look up. They would pay attention to what I had to say. And it was very invigorating, very exciting to see that my words had an effect on people. His, however, did not. And like I said, during this time, I was into the occult. We were running in circles. We were learning from people. We were finding out things about the community. And uh, believe it or not, the El Paso community, as far as the occult is concerned, is very, very small. And I always refer to it as a, a small town with a big city mentality, but it's not. But I digress. So this guy was all over her. The, uh, you know, uh, third tier, fourth tier poet that he was. And I stepped up and I said a few things that I shouldn't have said. I called him out. Uh, basically, I said, you know, if you ever want to learn how to read or write true poetry or learn to be an actual poet, you can look me up at any time. He, of course, didn't appreciate that. Neither did she. Caused arguments, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But 
um, after that, a few months later, when I was really heavily into learning about uh, certain aspects of Native American, uh, the occult of uh, you know Native American Indians, um, he popped up. He was going to the same college I was going to. He was going to community college, and so was I. And I would run across him every once in a while, and I would see him. And uh, just there was very bitter and bad blood between us. Every time we looked at each other, there was just this grimace on our on our faces. Like, you want to go, bro? You know, to, to facilitate that stupid stereotype of um, you know guys marking their territory and being bros and being angry to each other. But um, yeah, every time I saw him, every time we accidentally met or our eyes met. Um, there was uh there was an issue. There was going to be issues if uh, it went any further, if it escalated. So one day I was going uh, to college. I was walking around in uh, the patio area of the community college, and I saw Malik there hanging around with a bunch of people. And I decided to be a big old uh, you know piece of shit and walk up to him and pretty much insult him and humiliate him in front of all these people. And this is why you should be careful when you start uh, humiliating people that you think you know, but truly don't. We had a circle during this time. We were learning um, spiritualism, things of that nature, trying to expand our our knowledge of uh, certain things that we had experienced. And of course, I was always trying to expand my knowledge of the occult and always pursuing what eluded me, which was uh, some sort of peace in my life. No torment, no turbulence, just peace. And our group was very tight-knit. Like I said, there was very uh, similar friends or uh, similar-minded friends that I hung around with. They were all uh, creatives. They were writers. They were poets. They were artists. And we had a good group. And I loved them very, very much. And they loved me very, very much. We had accepted each other as brothers and sisters. And of course, delving into the spiritualism aspect of what we were learning, we needed each other and we depended on each other to keep us not just sane, but to keep us on the right path, so to speak. So cut back to uh, Malik in the patio and um, went up to him, insulted him, called him, uh, you know, in in a very, um, I guess, intelligent way, if you want to put it that way, called him out, told him that he was a nothing writer, basically, and a nothing poet and um you know expected expected the retaliation that would come you know i thought we were going to get into a fight or something that's what i was actually looking for some sort of physical uh confrontation and i remember this guy and he was native american and uh, i remember him being very um i don't know his features were very broad and he grimaced he grinned this grin that i will never ever forget um looking at me looking like through me and uh, he just nodded his head in a way that uh, was very, very off-putting. It was, it was kind of creepy, just looking at me like this gaze, uh, gazing into my eyes, into my soul, trying to burn a freaking hole through me practically. And he just grimaced. He smirked, and um, that was that was, I guess, the game is on in his in his mind. So I expected, you know, some sort of retaliation. I expected him to get up and fight me, and nothing happened. He just packed up his things and walked away. I put it out of my mind. I really didn't think about it much more. And uh, it was a Friday night, and uh, that night I hung out with my circle. I hung out with my group of friends, and we had this habit of going into the desert at night and just hanging out. The desert is very easily accessible to us in El Paso. I mean, 
any which direction we go, you will eventually hit the desert. And back during that time, it was a very easy access. There was a street called Joe Battle. It's still here, um, but now it's very heavily populated. But back then, that's where El Paso ended, at Joe Battle. Anything beyond that was nothing but desert. And nothing lived out there except maybe coyotes, you know, rabbits, deer every once in a while. Four blisses around the area, and uh, every once in a while, one of those uh, oxorax or whatever they're called, I forget their name, oryx, oryx. One of those oryxes would escape because they have oryxes on base. Um, and they would escape and go into eco tanks, and it was creepy to come upon one at night because uh, those things standing in the middle of the road looking at you looks like somebody standing there, uh, especially the way that you look at them in the front with their eyes uh, and their horns. It looks like a person. It looks like a person is standing there looking at you. But we were aware of that. We were aware of, uh, of, of all that stuff. Dogs, not so much. Uh, wolves, not so ever. And um, those were some of the creatures that we would run across. So I remember this very clearly, and we were standing uh, around my friend's car in the section of the desert, right off of Joe Battle. It wasn't very far into the desert. I remember standing there, we were talking, chit-chatting, discussing, you know, we were, our lives, I guess you could say, writers, poets, music, art, all the things that, uh, that I was into, comic books, of course. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start hearing barking barking around us and we were what the what the hell was that there were no houses around us there was nothing around us maybe wild dogs but uh, even then wild dogs would stay away from the desert because they will get eaten by coyotes they will they will not survive most uh most wild dogs were once domesticated animals that wandered into the desert and became feral but even then if they were out here, they would not last long unless uh, it was not a dog, unless it was something else. And we started hearing all this barking and this yelping and howling. The howling was what started to get to us really, really uh, disturbingly because we had never heard anything like that before. The growling. And it seemed like we were being surrounded, like all these things were coming out of the dark and surrounding us. And we panicked we had this huge rush of adrenaline all of us at the same time it seemed and we all panicked and decided to jump into the car and speed off as we're speeding to the through the desert our windows were open because it was close uh to summertime it was like you know towards uh, the end of spring we were still in in school but uh, we had the windows open and uh, not only that but my friend's car ac didn't work so we had the windows open and i was right up against the door looking outside the window and i could hear you could hear things chasing us something some sort of animal was chasing us or animals because my friends could hear it on the opposite side of the car and their window was open as well and then we felt like something hit us something bumped into the vehicle the vehicle shook a bit it seemed like uh it was pushed and we couldn't see anything. We were looking outside the window. We were leaning outside the window, looking back, looking forward, and nothing was there. And we could see the, where the road ended and where it broke into the street Joe Battle. 
and they would seem so far away as we were and my my friend was just pushing the car to its to its limits just trying to get out of there as quickly as possible and we were still being chased and this fear just started growing inside the vehicle and there was about seven of us in the vehicle we were all piled into the car and we were rushing away from the scene we were trying to get away as fast as possible and it seemed like forever and finally boom we broke through at the end and we got onto the paved road and remember this was a desert road so it was dirt we were kicking up dust and rocks left and right we kicked up dust and rocks up until the time where we burst through i guess this barrier it seemed because nothing else seemed to be affecting us other than this these animal sounds and this these sensations of being pushed uh the car being pushed and finally once we got onto the road everything seemed to come back alive and the city sounds came back everything was was it's working again i guess you could say and um, my friend sped towards his house he lived nearby and he sped towards his house so we're sitting outside the house and we're discussing what just just happened we were all scared out of our minds and this anger built up in all of us it seemed at the same time and we were like nope we've come this far we've studied so much we know about the occult we're not going to get scared off by whatever the hell that was so we all decided as a group none of us backed out we all decided to go back to the same spot and see what the hell was going on we we're going to confront our fear and we were not going to leave until we had answers. And little did we know, we were not prepared for what we were going to find. And uh, I'm going to stop right there and keep you on a cliffhanger until the next one. This is the end of part one. And part two will be very, very soon. I promise you, I don't want to leave you hanging for too long. But let's just say that this is not over. The night was not over. And oh, man, it just got worse from there. So thank you guys for listening to this part. I will come back at you very, very soon. Please follow me on TikTok. Subscribe to Substack. Let everybody know about these uh, Substack podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. This is uh, Ray Ramos, the Kryptonauts. Happy Harry Hard on saying, stay hard, talk hard, and Mexelsior.